0: hello and welcome to people matters podcast this is Sudeshna, your host bringing to you the best insights from guests across the globe and industries in today's episode we are going to have aubrey blanche as our guest who is a dei expert she is a senior director of equitable design product and people at culture as we are observing pride month in june aubrey is here to discuss about the roles of the hr professionals in educating people to overcome their homophobia hello aubrey welcome to people matters podcast What do the employees consider when they say that they are looking forward to work for an inclusive company?
1: Yeah, so I think that employees are looking for more foundational changes. So what we've seen historically is that company leaders like to get up and you know say that they care about inclusion, but they're not actually willing to engage in the everyday actions that create inclusion. So they're often happy to sponsor some recruiting events, or they're happy to put more brown people on their careers page, but they're not, for example, willing to audit their performance process to make sure that, in fact, men and women, and non-binary people or white people and people of color are actually assessed fairly in the workplace. And I see that changing. So employees, I think, are increasingly interested in issues of, say, pay equity um, among sort of um, marginalized or overrepresented um, um, or marginalized and overrepresented groups. I think they're looking for their managers to be able to speak thoughtfully, not just about the fact that they, quote, care about inclusion, because I will tell you, I could not care less whether someone says they care about inclusion, because often that's a cover-up for doing nothing to enable it. Um, And so I think that people are looking for their managers to have a specific story of the way that they've grown more inclusive and how their behavior specifically has changed. How do they lead a team in a way that includes all voices and holds people accountable for treating their teammates equitably. So I think especially as we're seeing Gen Z enter the workforce, we're seeing a much more highly engaged and aware uh, group of employees who are holding um, companies to a much higher standard than what company leaders are often willing to hold themselves to.
0: A study by Outnow Consulting found that the U.S. economy could save as huge as $9 billion annually if the organizations were more effective at implementing diversity and inclusion policies for the LGBT staff. How do you look at this?
1: I mean, I think that investing in diversity, equity and inclusion is one of the most cost-effective investments that you can make. I think you've brought up a really beautiful case around you know, LGBTQ inclusion, but the fact is, when we look at, you know, all forms of, all forms of discrimination, harassment, and exclusion, we're talking on the order of trillions of dollars. So there's a good study that shows that, for example, race-based discrimination has cost the U.S. economy $16 trillion per year, um, an incredible amount of money. And you think about if we, we consider that from all axes of exclusion or oppression, and then we expand that out to other countries as well. Um, that we see that there's an incredible economic irrationality to companies that refuse to engage in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think one of the most powerful ways to take action on that is being willing to fire harassers and abusers. So often companies are willing to say, you know, we care about gender equity, but they're not willing to fire the manager who refuses to give a promotion to someone because they're about to become a parent, um, and specifically a mother. We see that happening most often. Um, And so, So I think what we need to understand is that failing at inclusion and failing at anti-discrimination ultimately are incredibly expensive, not only in terms of lost productivity or needing to backfill more quickly than you would otherwise. We're talking about a loss of institutional knowledge, and in some cases, the absolutely exorbitant legal fees that it takes to defend um, from a harassment or discrimination lawsuit. So when you're talking about a dollar for dollar investment, investing in equity and inclusion is literally one of the most cost-effective investments that companies can make because the, uh, the scale of investment that's needed to move the needle is significantly smaller than dealing with those external things. The problem is that many business leaders, again, going back to this, aren't actually willing to invest the money or change their behavior in the way that the business is run to actually get to those equitable and inclusive outcomes.
0: Do you think that redrawing the diversity policies can have sustainable impact on the employee retention in a market which is running so short of talent?
1: Absolutely. So I think it's also really important to call out that diversity policies don't really do anything um, on their own. So having a policy, whether that's anti-discrimination, anti-harassment, et cetera, they don't do anything without enforcement. And so it really is about behavior change, especially from leaders. But I think, again, the tight talent market only strengthens the case to build an equitable and inclusive organization. Because what we see is that the people who are the most difficult to hire and to retain because cultures are often not built to support them or support their dignity in the workplace is really those folks who are already marginalized by society. So I think we need to think, again, going back to this idea that you know equity and inclusion investments are ultimately some of the most cost-effective ways to drive the metrics that businesses already care about. So when we're talking about engagement, high performance, retention, and hiring, these are the types of things that effective equity and inclusion programs create. So going back to, it's almost irrational um, that businesses refuse to invest and support these these organizations, and we see that despite lots and lots of pledges to do better, that the investment just isn't there. So, in Culture Amp's twenty twenty two Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion uh, Workplace Report, we saw that only forty percent of our customers actually had a formal. DEI role in the company. And what I would say is that it is absolutely lying to profess that you quote, care about diversity, equity and inclusion, if you have not dedicated a role or quite frankly, a team with adequate resourcing to it. That's just lying and gaslighting. It's not caring about diversity, equity and inclusion.
0: What has been the graph of inclusivity in a remote working environment? And how is that going to change in the years to come? Yeah. So I would say um,
1: I get, this is such a good question. I I get asked a lot, you know, is the greater remote or hybrid working environment better or worse for inclusion? And the answer is it depends. So there isn't a single answer to the question. You know, you referencing um, less physical danger for LGBTQ workers, definitely true. Research out of the United States shows that black workers are significantly less likely to face, you know, certain types of racial microaggressions, um, not having to be in the office. So I think that remote work can be helpful for inclusion in that perspective. But we also need to be thoughtful, whether it's for LGBTQ inclusion or something else, um, is that bullying and harassment will still happen in a remote and digital world. It just may become harder to track or harder to prove. And so organizations really need do need to have the courage to, um, to say, you know this is a priority. Um, This is something that we're willing to fire people over if we see them engage in this behavior. Um, And I think that's something that's generally been lacking. And now another place where you can see um, see changes from a remote environment is really around the lack of belonging. So having in-person time can be incredibly critical to people building connections that they believe help them sort of advance in the workplace, but also just connect with their coworkers. And so I think it requires more intentional action Action to make sure that people are included. Um, and so that whether that means running connection programs or events, building new ways um, to create that connection. So I think it can be helpful for equity and inclusion in some ways. Um, but also, I think that it will be it will be something where it's going to require more intentional action and investment to create that interpersonal connection among employees in an increasingly distributed world.
0: What should be the role of the HRs to educate people about overcoming their homophobia and also being non-judgmental at the workplace on the basis of somebody's personal life and look at how productive that person is?
1: Yeah, so I would say um, I might flip it a little bit. So I think that HR's role is to set the standards of behavior within the workplace and then to enforce them. So I don't necessarily think that it's HR's responsibility to help someone overcome homophobia. I think that's a basic moral duty of each individual. So I think what HR is there to do is to make it clear that a workplace um, is something that there is a dedication to a workplace that's free of homophobia, for example. And if someone makes the choice, as, you know, a a full adult to express homophobia in the workplace, that they face consequences and sanction for that. And if companies are really serious about creating an inclusive environment, you know what, they would absolutely take um, action up to termination for folks who are willing to express that belief or behavior. So I would say it's not HR's job to change people's beliefs. It's to hold them accountable for inclusive behavior.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Aubrey. I think this discussion has not just been insightful for our audience, but also for me, because I was really looking forward to exploring and knowing a little more about the DNI policies across the globe, and also how uh, people in different geographies look at uh, LGBTQ employees and the people, especially at the workplaces, and what status these LGBTQ employees actually enjoy or have, and also, their struggles and challenges in the workplaces. So uh, really thank you so much for your time. For more such episodes, stay tuned to People Matters.